This isn't our normal how to study how we study the Bible on Wednesday night, but I like it. So the um, seemed like the Holy Spirit about a few weeks ago led me to start studying First John, and so for the last two weeks we studied First John one, and then we did First John two verses uh, one through fourteen. Tonight we're going to look at First John two chap uh, verse fifteen through the end of the chap into that chapter through verse 29 15 through 29 and we're going to do it different you notice tonight you don't have a handout for the first time uh, it seemed like every week the lord's led me in a different way to study it <laughs> but let's start by reading the scriptures and uh, it says love not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are, are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever de denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not it, that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you, of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that every one that doeth righteousness is born of him. Excuse me. Okay, uh, last week we noticed, one of the things we pointed out is that uh, the Bible says that we're to study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's very important that we know how to divide the word. We have to divide between the new covenant and the old covenant. We have to understand that it's not just one book and that, that it's not uh, <clears throat> all written to the same people. And then we have to... Um, divide between uh, spirit, soul, and body. You have to, in, in, these, in the scriptures, and especially in 1 John, you have to uh, determine whether he's writing to you about your spirit, or he's talking to you about your soul, or he's talking to you about your body. A lot of people, a lot of Christians have thought, even if they knew that they were three parts, spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians talks about that we are, and they, maybe they've heard, you have a spirit. Let's see. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You may have heard something like that. But still, never thinking 
kind of looking at yourself, though, as the whole and never thinking that some scriptures are talking about our spirit. And if you mix the two, you get confused, especially in some books of the Bible, First John being one of them, because he talks about things. He talks about we've already seen this in the in First John one, where he says, uh, if you say you didn't you don't sin, you're a liar. But then you go over to 1 John 3, which we hadn't even gotten to yet. But it says, uh, in 1 John 3, it says, uh, hallelujah. Uh, Whosoever is born of God, verse 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And so you're like, okay, I don't get this. You just told me in 1 John 1 that if I said I didn't sin, I was a liar. And that, that the truth wasn't in me. But then in 1 John 3, you tell me, if you're born of God, you don't commit sin. And you have to divide between spirit, soul, and body. Because in 1 John 1, he's talking about our soul and our flesh, our body. Of course, we do commit sin in, with our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and of course, our physical body. We don't plan to, but we do. And then in 1 John 3, he's talking about our spirit man because our spirit man is the part of us that's born of God. And the part of us that's born of God, our spirit recreated, the old man's dead, hallelujah, your spirit never sins. I don't care if you go out and rob, if you were truly born again and you go over and rob Dollar General, as soon as this service is over, you sinned, but it wasn't your spirit that sinned. And your spirit is sealed by the Holy Ghost. That's what Ephesians tells us. And sin, when you commit sin, it does not penetrate your spirit. Hallelujah. And so understanding that will help you straighten out a whole bunch of stuff in the Bible that you have always wondered about. Like I just, I, I wrestled with 1 John the whole book of 1 John probably for the first um, 15 years after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and started to study the Word. Wrestled with that book of the Bible because it seemed like it was contradicting itself. Then also, we're not going to have time to review all of that. Last week we saw how right there before in verses about 12 through 14, he addressed three groups of people. And, and that's another thing we, we're dividing here. Uh, he talked to little children. And that's not talking about age, but that's newly born again ones, okay? You could be 80 years old and be a little children in Christ, amen? And then he talks to young men, and these are the, the, this is the group of people that's starting to mature in Christ. He said about them, he said, you're strong, you've overcome the wicked one. And so they're starting to mature in Christ and get their feet on the ground and be able to do some things with their own faith and be able to to take charge of the devil and, and run him out on their own, not needing help. Now, you could also be a Christian for uh, 80 years and still be really a little child spiritually because you never renewed your minds, you never grew up in the things of faith and how to, how you wouldn't have a clue. So there are a lot of 80, been saved 80 years, don't have a clue of how to deal with the devil. Don't have a clue of how to receive something from God on their own. And so uh, this is talking about, though, little children, newly born again, young men, those that are uh, beginning to mature, and then fathers. And fathers are those that have been around a long time. Uh, you have to, you have to, you have to know some things for God to call you a father in the faith. 
You just aren't born, you know, that not just because you've been born again 80 years are you a father in the faith. You are a father in the faith when you know how, you know some things and you're established in some things. And we talked about some of the things about the dangers of last week of being a father. One of the, and one of those dangers of the fathers in the faith is to get uh, where they're not progressing anymore, to get where they're not learning anymore, to get where they're, um, they're depending on a testimony from 20 years ago instead of having a fresh testimony today. We need to be mature in our faith like fathers but we need to be aggressive in our faith and work like the young men are. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> okay. So now keep that in mind still, the little children, the young men, and the fathers, because he's going to address that again. Now look in verse 15. We're not, I'm not going to cover every verse. This The Lord told me uh, two days ago while I was preparing just that he was just going to have me focus on certain verses in the last part of this chapter, because some of them, you, there's nothing to explain about them. They're self-explanatory, okay? But number, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, but if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he, so he's telling us not to love the world. We must guard ourselves as Christians from loving the world. He's talking about loving the system of this world. Do you realize that everything in this world, not talking about, you know, the word and stuff, but everything in this world system is under the sway and influence of the devil. There's not one movie that's not under that mindset, that that way of thinking. I don't care how, I mean, even if we go back and watch a, a Doris Day from 1964, hallelujah, you can see that that, that, the, that, 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 even though it was so much cleaner than it is today that we nearly think it's pure. But you can still see that, 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 that it's permeated with world thinking. You know? It's still got adultery in it and, you know, and I don't know what all. Hallelujah. And like I said, it's so, it's so clean compared to what we see now. We think we're watching, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not talking against those things. I'm just saying we need to be on guard because sometimes we forget it's all permeated with it. Every TV show. And, and you know what here, what's happening is it's showing up more and more to us. More and more we say, and the more you walk in God and the closer you walk in God, the more you will even notice things like that. And more, you know, if you're a barely saved Christian and you hadn't renewed your mind, you may not even notice. You may not even notice. Well, that's, that's worldly or that's, that's, you know, that's, that's not, that's not according to the word of God. We're going to be so shocked when we get to heaven at the purity and the holiness and the absolutely no fear whatsoever. We don't even know what that feels like where there's absolutely not one tiny ounce of fear for anything and where everything is absolute and perfect love. Our minds can't even go there. 
only we only way we can go there is by revelation and the renewed mind. But that's what we're coming into. Amen. So we have to guard ourselves. Second uh, Corinthians four four says the, that you don't have to turn there. We don't. I don't think we'll take the time. But it says Satan is the god of this world. So everything in the world has his handprint on it. And so he says we're not to love it. He didn't say we weren't to live here. He didn't say we got to shut ourselves up in our house and never come out the door. <laughs> he didn't say, boy, don't go anywhere. And when you do, wear blinders and, you know. He didn't say any of that. He said, don't love it. And so what we have to fight off all the time is loving the world. 1 John 5, 19 says, The whole world lieth in wickedness. Revelation 12, 9 says, Satan deceiveth the whole world. And so we, there's some areas I want to mention tonight that the Holy Ghost gave me that we're to, some areas we can watch that we don't love. One, of, one is just the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. The money of this world is and all the financial systems of this world and Wall Street and all that stuff, all controlled by Satan. All of it. He's the God of this world system. That actually doesn't mean he's the God of the earth. Satan doesn't own the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But he's the God of the world system. That's the system of money, the, fed, all the feds, the federal reserves, the government, Wall Street, uh, all of the systems of this world. He, Satan is the God of. And so, uh, hallelujah. <laughs> so we're not to love it. We're not to love those things. We're to, we're to have an attitude towards money of that it's a tool that we use and that... Um, and <clears throat> We use money and we sanctify. That's the attitude we have to have towards money. And we do sanctify it. Our tithes and offerings brings all of our bank account into sanctification. Hallelujah. And so we're not to trust. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, In uncertain riches. Why? Because Satan is the God of this world's system. And so uh, I heard Brother Copeland say today, because he's talking with Bill Winston on his program, and he said, you need to get over it if you lost money in the stock market because he said you shouldn't have had your money there anyway because what did you think was going to happen? Satan is the god of this world system. And so anything Satan's in control of, we're not to love. And we're, hallelujah. I mean, you know, there are, there, I know people that are pretty upset because of losing money. And it's like, and my pastor always said this about us, and this is the truth. We don't know enough about the stock market to put money in it. If you don't know anything about it, what are we doing putting our money in something we don't know anything about? Hallelujah. Well, you, you know why you're doing it? Because you're trusting in people who are controlled by this world system. Because I'm telling you, A.G. Edwards and all those investment companies, I didn't mean to say this, but I will. Hallelujah. They're not getting down before the cross every night and praying and saying, Oh, God, help us show us what to do with these people's money. We know we've been entrusted with it, and we know we're... Hallelujah. You just ought to pray that there ain't none of them thieves. 
And a bunch of them were, weren't they? Because they got exposed. Okay. So, um, hallelujah. Uh, uncertain riches. The Bible says we are not to lay up for ourselves treasures in earth where uh, moss and rust doth corrupt. That means, that word lay up means amass, reserve, amass, reserve or heap. So we're not to heap up treasures in earth. In earthly systems. We're to put our treasure in heaven. In other words, we're to get our treasure involved in sowing and reaping. Hallelujah. We're to get our treasure in heaven because then, hallelujah, doesn't matter what the world system does, I'm in a different system. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And you need to be led by the Spirit in that. Now, we're to beware of loving the music, movies, and literature of this world system. Because all the music and all the movies and all the literature are permeated with the world system. Some of it worse than others, obviously. Some movies are, of course, better than others. It's hard to find one now that's good. I mean, even Pastor and I like to watch movies, and we're not against movies. But I tell you what, if you can find a movie that doesn't have some adultery or something like that in it, I, I don't even, you know, wow, it is, hallelujah. We've gotten where we're, now we're watching, uh, we're more on the historical side. We're watching uh, a lot of things about the Holocaust right now. I mean, that's, that's what we're watching now is kind of, they're true things that happened in the Holocaust, you know. And uh, one, two reasons. I really enjoy knowing a lot about what the Jews went through and so forth and everything. But then also, sometimes they're, 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 sometimes they're gruesome, but they're not. And it is the world system, but you know what I'm talking about. They're not usually permeated with a lot of other stuff. Hallelujah. Can you find a movie that doesn't have a bad word in it? Hard to find, hard to find, hard to find. Uh, but, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're... Here's the point, though. It's not that don't go to any movies. Of course, be led by the Spirit. Always, that's the answer to a million questions. Be led by the Spirit. But here's for sure. Don't love, don't love those things. Don't love. Keep yourself in check where you don't begin to love. And you know, those, a lot of things like that are really, um, they're addictive, Novels can be addictive, I know, because I am a reader, and uh, hallelujah, I could get addicted, and I just have to keep myself pulled back from reading uh, stuff, just a lot of stuff I just make off limits. Okay, <clears throat> so we're not to love the, uh, any, uh, we're not to love anything that is a part of the system of this world, because it's corrupt, and it will let you down and it will disappoint you. And besides, you know what? It's a, it, it, especially if you love it and you spend a lot of time on it, well, um, uh, you're not filling yourself with the love of God because it doesn't fill you. It's empty. It doesn't fill you with anything. If anything, actually, it depletes what you've already put in. You spend time putting the Word in, and then we go sometimes and watch things that actually deplete us or read things that deplete us of the word uh, of the word, and so we just gotta, we just gotta not love the world. That's just where we gotta walk. Hallelujah! I know that wouldn't be popular preaching in a lot of churches, because a lot of churches might not want to talk about things like that. But uh, 
I think God's told us to preach truth. Then he says in um, <clears throat> verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now we know, of course, that all three of these things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, can affect all of us at any age. But I want you to notice that that directly corresponds with little children, young men, and fathers. I believe little children struggle with the lust of the flesh. The newly born again Christian usually will struggle with the lust of the flesh probably above the other two. And then when you come to the young men, those they they and they're beginning to have success in God. They're beginning to have sowing and reaping work for them. And anything that's going to trip them up might probably be the lust of the eyes. And then under the fathers, the older fathers in the faith, if there's something that's going to trip up the fathers, most of the time, you know, when by the time you get to be a father in the faith, a lot of the lust of the flesh is wore off. Hallelujah. Not all of it, but hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, the lust of the eyes, you've already had one of them and one of them and one of them. It's like, you know, it's just like, well, you know, now it's just a car. Now it's just a motorcycle. Now it's not that big a deal. Hallelujah. But then you get over and the temptation of the older person in the faith is the pride of life. And so, and of course, like I said, they can all affect all of us all the time. So let's go through them and talk about what is the lust of the flesh. Well, hallelujah. I'm sure you already know what some of the lusts of the flesh are because you've been having to resist the lust of the flesh. And if you don't resist it, and we have to, we have to resist the lust of the flesh or otherwise it'll just take over our life. Hallelujah. The Lord wants our spirit to be in control, not our flesh. But when we're first, I mean, the world just lives by the flesh. If it feels good, do it. If it tastes good, drink it. You know, with no thought of tomorrow many times. And so what is the lust of the flesh? It is the longing and desire of human nature. It is the appetites of the flesh. It's anything the flesh wants and demands. Anything the flesh wants and demands. Galatians 5.16 says, If we will walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, uh, one of the things, one of the main things the flesh wants, and you know this starts young. I'm talking like infants. The main thing the flesh wants is its own way. Hallelujah. Do any of you have little children that have wanted their own way? Well, none of you ever had a child that didn't want its own way. If you ever had a child, it wanted its way. Hallelujah. So the flesh, that's one of the main things that is part of the lust of the flesh is its own way. Anything sexual is a lust of the flesh. It, Anything to eat is the lust of the flesh. Y'all didn't want me to say that, did you? It's that, it's that unquenchable desire to be gratified. And that's the thing is, it, can never, it will never be gratified. Your flesh won't say, well, now that's plenty. You want, your flesh won't say, well, that's enough. No, your flesh will say, let's do that more and do it again tomorrow and do it three times the next day. Hallelujah. So we have to put our flesh under constraint. 
Hallelujah. Another thing that's a lust of the flesh is power. The flesh wants power, to be in control. And uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said, I keep under my body or my flesh. I keep bringing it into subjection. Well, obviously not all of us have done that all the time. Hallelujah. But that's something that we should have uh, our heart set on. Is like, I'm going to bring this flesh under. I'm not going to let my flesh watch TV anytime I want, it wants to. I'm not going to let my flesh eat anytime it wants to. I'm not going to let my flesh go to Krispy Kreme every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tried to sing, think of something I hadn't done. I, do, I have never been in the Krispy Kreme in Tuscaloosa. Hallelujah. That's my one victory. I have no other victories in, the, in my flesh. You know, I didn't tell you how many times I've been to TCBY, but I haven't been to Krispy Kreme. That's just not my food of choice. Hallelujah. Anyway, so we have to get these things under control and under constraint. Because our flesh will run away with us until literally it, your flesh will run till it destroys you. You know, so um, we all have a strong desire to do this for the sake of the Lord. And we cannot do it in our own power, but we can do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if we will walk after the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the more we walk after the Spirit, the more we will put those things under. And so, you know, we can't let our, our, our flesh just run wild and love the world. Hallelujah. And then the lust of the eyes. What is the lust of the eyes? It's really different than the lust of the flesh because the flesh doesn't have to see anything. But the lust of the eyes is the longing and desire that comes through vision. It's actually seeing something and longing for it. Hallelujah. It can be clothes, it can be things, it can be cars, it can be boats, it can be yachts, it can be jewelry, it can be all of those things, it can be anything. Hallelujah. And this lust is not a, to be confused with a godly desire. God will give us a godly desire for something, and that may include a, a, a car, a, a, you know, clothes. He will give us a godly desire, and the difference is, is because a lust of the eyes is demanding. It is thoughtless and ruthless in its pursuit. And often it is accompanied by envy, by jealousy, and by covetousness. That lust of the eyes is like, it can see what you have and it wants it. And it's jealous of you. And it, it can be jealous. It can be, and it can be, and sometimes it doesn't manifest as jealousy. It really, you know, maybe... It's not really jealous, but it, 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 your eyes are lusting for something and you put your own self down because you don't have it. You undermine your own self. That is not a godly desire. When you can't enjoy today because of what your eyes see and you, that you won't. When you can't enjoy what you have. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things. I've learned to be to abound and I've learned to be abased. And as faith people, if you're going to be a faith person, one thing you're going to have to do is learn to wait. Because between I believe I receive and now I see it, there is a wait and sometimes it's a long time. All of us are willing to wait about three days. But how about 25 years? 
And you know, you got to get, if you're really a faith person, you got to get to the point where you would wait. You know, you so know you've received it, you're willing to wait forever. Brother Hagin used to say, when you get willing to wait forever, it won't be long till you see it. And that can go for healing or finances or something you're believing for. Hallelujah. You need to get to the place where you enjoy the faith walk and the faith journey. You enjoy the Lord saying, time to believe for me, believe me for a new car. And you, so you say, okay, Father, I'm going to believe you for a new car. And you enjoy that time. It's like a Tootsie Roll pop. That you can enjoy the outside. You don't have to get right to the center of it. Bite it in two and crunch it all up and got to get to that chocolate. Hallelujah. You got to enjoy the, the journey of faith. Hallelujah. Because it's an adventure. Waiting on God and knowing that you have something. Hallelujah. So, uh, so lust is, is it, when you are just, I'm, I just, I'm just had it. I just believed and I just can't, where is it? And I just can't, you are in lust. You're not even, that's not even faith. That's just the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh. Hallelujah. <coughs> The lust of the eyes is unquenchable, always needing more. As soon as you get that car, you'll still be dissatisfied. When you've got the lust of the eyes, you can get a new dress and you're still not satisfied. You can get something, you know, you can get, you can get one thing and you're still, it's like, yeah. And because you know, how do I say this? Um, because it doesn't matter how wealthy you get in God, and I'm talking about financial wealth, there's already, an, you, there's already another vision out there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of times, even before the, the last thing you believe for manifests, God will have you believing for uh, another situation or another, another you'll have another faith goal. Hallelujah. So um, we got to keep these things in check. Um, so being never satisfied is a clue that lust of the eyes is trying to get on you. Nothing When nothing you get ever measures up. When you believe God and you get something, but yeah, but it's not as nice as they have. And yeah, but it doesn't, you know, but it don't have the, na oh, well, that just convicted me right there myself. Lord, forgive me. I just got under conviction saying that. Have you ever said something you didn't mean to, I mean, you was preaching something about the Holy Ghost and then all of a sudden it convicted you? Hallelujah. But when you, when, when you get something and it doesn't measure up because, man, they've already come out with something new and fancier. Hallelujah. Sometimes these faith projects, especially since, you know, things are moving so fast. You got this faith project, and man, you believe for this certain refrigerator or something. I'll just use that as an example. And by the time you get it, because my faith took so long to manifest that, by the time I, man, they've come out with another, another, another model that's got something fancier on it. And all of a sudden, and the neighbor just got the fancier one. <laughs> I mean, isn't that something? And all of a sudden you go, I practically, I, I practically feel like this thing's outdated. You know? Woo. Hallelujah. Okay, then the third thing, pride of life. What is pride of life? It is self-confidence of what you have accomplished. 
It, it can be degrees. It can be uh, pride in promotion and increase versus giving the glory to God. We're all supposed to have promotion. We're all supposed to have increase. But we can't get prideful about it, that, that it was according to our intelligence. Or it was according to, man, yeah, I'm good. I'm really good. You know, hallelujah. We, we, that's, that's the pride of life. Hallelujah. It's seeing yourself above others because of your name. Well, you know, I'm a Rockefeller or a Kennedy. That'd be one. I'm a Kennedy, you know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, or because of rank, seeing yourself above others because of rank. And treating even, sometimes you can tell that there's pride there because when you treat each other, other people badly because of rank. You talk about pride of life. Let me give you an example. Saw it on the news. That nutcase up in Huntsville that shot all those professors. Well, they said a few years before she'd had altercation in a restaurant over a, a booster seat and that she was screaming at this other person that they were fighting over a booster seat. Can you imagine fighting over a booster seat? Hallelujah. She was screaming, do you know who I am? I am Dr. Amy whatever her name was. Hallelujah. And I'm thinking, woo, you talk about pride. You talk about pride of life, but you know that can get on us as the church. We have to resist those things. We have to resist them. With uh, We could be in pride over, well, you know, we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, that would be wrong. Hallelujah. Or, uh, hallelujah, we could just go on and on, couldn't we, about the pride of life. Or it could be seeing yourself above others because of your wealth. Did you all ever meet any snooty people because they had money? Did, I've met people that, and I've been with people, that because they were on the wealthier side, maybe even kind of raised with money, that they just kind of treated sales clerks like, you know, or treated ooh, waiters in restaurants Hallelujah. And sent everything back four times. And when they ordered, it's like, and can you leave this and put a special sauce here? And I'm like, oh, Lord. You know, it's embarrassing when you're with somebody like that. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about just cutting one thing or just, you know. We, had, we found we moved to Alabama because in Texas, we go through the, to the drive-in. Maybe it was just sea graves. And we'd say, okay, well, on a hamburger, cut the onions. <laughs> when we came here, nobody, they would just... Okay, we'll cut them, we'll chop them or whatever. And we're like, okay, we got to rephrase this. We're like, leave the onions off, okay? Because <laughs> we got more onion hamburgers when we first came until we learned that, that everything doesn't mean the same in all parts of the world, does it? It's hallelujah. That was probably just something unique to our little Dixie dog there in Seagraves, Texas. That Hallelujah. You know, because we we, they would holler across... Need a hamburger back there, cut the onions, you know. <laughs> and so that, that we caught on uh, to that, and I guess we start saying. So pride of life, pride of life is elitism. A lot of times you hear that now in the news where they're talking about, and they say, well, they're elitist. Uh, you know, the people, there's people that think, um, that are in government, that think all the little people in America are stupid. And they think that we, that, that, and they, they are what you call elitist. They, don't, they think the reason you don't agree with them is because you're so dumb. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. You talk about pride. Woo. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we can't solve all that. That'll be solved when Jesus comes back. When he sets his government up, he's going to say, now you get over there under, you big shot from Washington, you get, under, you get over there under the caches, and you listen to everything they say. Hallelujah. And you, and you big shot over here, you get right down here under, uh, hey, some little kid in the nursery. Yeah, hallelujah. Because they know more than you know. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're all just excited about that day and not worrying too much about this day. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go to verse 17 now. <laughs> we got to go. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So all of this stuff is going to pass away, all this lust of the flesh. One day, Jesus is coming back, take us to heaven, teach us how to rule and reign, everything we don't know. Then we're going to come back with, with him after seven years and rule and reign over this earth and abide with him forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking, for, and you know that day is grow, drawing close. Let's see. Let's look in uh, verse 18. Little children. Now he's addressing the little children again. That's the young ones in Christ. It is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that is the last time. Hallelujah. So he talk, starts talking about Antichrist. Antichrist in the Strong's means opponent of the Messiah. But true, a, a, a more expanded definition of the Antichrist is Satan's imitation of the Messiah. It's going to be the counterfeit of Jesus. It's, it's the, the Antichrist is the satanic equivalent of Satan's, of God sending Jesus, the devil sending the Antichrist. He, it, and it's anything, though, in the earth that is anti-Jesus, when he says there's many antichrists already in the earth, anytime you walk into something that's anti-Jesus, you have just encountered antichrist. Hallelujah. And you know, some of it's more blatant than others. Some of it's more wicked than, uh, uh, than others. But anything that's anti-Jesus, if you are being persecuted at work because you're a Christian, that is the spirit of antichrist. It is anti-Jesus, actually anti-anointing. And you, you are a little anointed one, a little Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. So anything, anything that's uh, working against, uh, that hates the Bible, hates creation, hates all of those things are anti-Christ. Anti and so it's all over the world and increasing very much every day. Very much every day. This spirit of Antichrist is getting stronger and showing up in places that we didn't expect because we still consider ourselves to be a Christian nation. And uh, hallelujah. Praise God. And we're going to keep saying it even though it always doesn't look like it. Praise God. <laughs> so many, many Many people are functioning under that antichrist spirit today. And those people hate Christians. When you find a group of people that hates Christians, that's antichrist. Hallelujah. That's not just, well, they don't agree with us. Well, they don't agree with you, but it's still the spirit of antichrist. Hallelujah. And, you know, we have gotten 
a lot of things in our society that are so antichrist. We have become accepting of all faiths. I'm not us, but in society, well, you have to accept all faiths. And there's many ways to Jesus, and or many ways to God, not to Jesus. And uh, all of that is antichrist, against Christ, against the anointing. Hallelujah. Against what Jesus did. Verse 20. But ye have an unction. Hallelujah. Say, I have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Ye have an unction. That word means uh, anointing or endowment. You have an endowment right here, right here, right here, out of your innermost being, right here, right here. Hallelujah. Actually, your spirit goes throughout your whole body. It looks just like your body, I say, but quite a few pounds slimmer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And very youthful. Not wrinkled. Hallelujah. Not, you know, I don't know about y'all, but oh, <sighs> crepey skin. Oh, my Lord, that crepey skin. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> Praise God. I, I looked down one day and I was like, oh, my God, what happened? <laughs> oh, my Jesus. Oh, come, come, come. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's kind of one good thing about a few pounds. It kind of stretches some things. You don't want to get too thin now. Hallelujah. You might look old. Okay, that's all extra. So an unction is endowment anointing. Hallelujah. Ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Perceive, you're aware of, and you understand all things. All things means everything. I looked it up. Everything. And you go, Miss Debbie, I don't understand all things. I don't know all things. Yes, you do. Let me ask you, what is he talking about here? Okay, don't y'all don't let Pastor answer these questions. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, he is talking about your spirit. In your spirit, you know all things. And we're to what? We're to walk in the spirit. We're to live out of our spirit. So the next time you say, I don't know, and I catch myself all the time, but I catch myself. The next time you say, I don't know, I don't have a clue, repent. You actually sinned because you just said that word's not true. Because you don't know with your head, but you know in your heart. And if you'll talk to the Lord about it, you'll say, now, Lord, I know I know this on the inside. And I somehow got to get it to my brain. Can you help me there? Hallelujah. And he will. He will get it to He will help you get it there. And so we got to live out of our spirit where we know all things. You know. You know what you're supposed to do. You know the answer to, you know, these decisions. How many of you in here are in the process of making a decision right now about something? All right. You know already. You know right here. And uh, let me give you a little clue. Uh, first of all, here's a tip. Attach your faith to this word right here. And begin to say of yourself, I have an unction from the Holy One, and I know all things. I know what to do. I'm at the right place at the right time. And, and here's another thing that'll help you. A lot of times uh, we start contemplating things, doing things that God never said to us. But, you know, some feather dropped or something. And I'm not against feathers dropping. I like it. You know, I for, but you know, something like that happened or somebody said something, you had a chill right at the same moment and you begin 
to say things to yourself, and I've done it myself so many times, like, well, maybe God was saying. Did anybody ever say, maybe God was saying? Or like the other night, I had a dream. I woke up this morning, right before I opened my eyes, I was commanding a demon spirit to be off of somebody. Hallelujah. And you know what? When I got up, I didn't have to think, hmm, maybe God was saying. I said, bless God, I know what I'm supposed to do. Because I had that dream right before I opened my eyes at 6 a.m. this morning. So I woke up and I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And when, when, when God, your unction from the Holy One is not, well, maybe God's saying. Your unction from the Holy One is, well, maybe God meant by this. Or maybe God wants me to. You know, we got the creator of the universe for God. And if He wants you to do something and He can't get it past the maybe stage, even as weak as we are sometimes, even as dull as we are sometimes, hallelujah, He can get a donkey to talk. And He can, and especially if we have a willing heart, if He really wanted us to do something, He would tell us something in such a way that we would know and we wouldn't have be in the maybe stage. So next time you think, well, maybe God was meaning, hallelujah, you'll know, I don't have to think about that. Hallelujah. Lord, you know I'm willing, I'm obedient, so just let me know when you want me to do something. Brother Higgins used to say, you know, if God's not saying anything, don't do nothing. Sometimes we can't get to, I know I do it myself. It's like, well, you know, maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to close down something here at the church, you know. And then I'm thinking, then I think, well, did God say to? No. Okay. If he'd wanted me to, looks like he could have said, close down. But I'll spend lots of time thinking about, well, yeah, but you know, it's costing financially and you know, hallelujah, and I'll just figure all the other parts and then all I, but if you get back to it, it's like half God said, you know, although I know that was what the devil said to Eve, so don't, hallelujah. <laughs> But if you have to ask yourself, hath God said, then it's the then it's probably the devil and you because when you when you know you know God didn't he didn't mess around with us. He made it clear what we were supposed to do when it was leave Texas. And it came progressively. Hallelujah. And then so verse uh, twenty-three says, Let's move on. Uh, whosoever denieth the Son the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father. So anybody that denies Jesus, they don't have the Father. I want to tell you something. Allah is not the same God we worship. Hallelujah. We know that. And a lot of people think, yeah, but, you know, they believe in Jesus. I heard a man say today what they believe in Jesus, what they believe about Jesus. And I can tell you, it wasn't godly. Hallelujah. In fact, they believe the devil has them so set up. This is what they believe. It's in their Quran. Muslims believe that when Jesus comes and we go in the rapture, uh, when, when he comes, they say, they're going to say, this is what the Muslims are going to say, that was the Antichrist. That's what, they're, that's what they're taught in their Quran. Wow. They, they don't worship the same God we worship. And don't let anybody kill you, kid you and tell you that. Because that's, that's commonly thought. And then verse uh, 27, going on down. 
But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, the Holy Spirit, of course, is our teacher. That's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit inside of you is your teacher. And it doesn't mean we're not to have Bible teachers. We know that we need teachers because he gave us the fivefold ministry. And so we need teachers. But what it is saying is that you have a teacher inside of you that will not ever lead you the wrong way. Uh, if it doesn't, you know, if a spirit doesn't teach, if, if, if somebody doesn't teach you to abide in him, if that's not the gist of their message, then it's not the right spirit. And men can fail us, but the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And when, when, when a man is teaching something that's not right, your spirit is the teacher, in your spirit is the Holy Spirit, which is the teacher who will warn you. And he will teach you if you're sensitive to him. And you know, we don't have to worry about that even. Because you know, even as we're preaching, when the true word's being taught, hallelujah, your spirit's just bearing witness the whole time. You don't even have to think about it. It's like thinking to breathe. You don't have to think to breathe. And you don't have to think to sit there and receive the word, hallelujah, because your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's just bearing witness, bearing witness, bearing witness. And if anybody says anything that's not quite right, you'll all, uh, or, and you know, sometimes it's just maybe they in one subject hadn't caught up to the revelation you have. A lot of times about in Christ or something, you know, you'll hear somebody say, that doesn't mean they're a false teacher. But if someone says something really out there, your Holy, your spirit inside of you will go and be going, beep, beep. I mean, you will be, oh my word, because you're sensitive to the spirit. First John 4, 1 says we're to try the spirits. Try means to test, discern, to examine. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and he said here, uh, we're to, you know, we're to try our own leadings too. Not just other people. We have to try our own leadings. And, and we have to, Hebrews 4.12, if you'll turn there. We're winding down here tonight. But Hebrews 4.12, hallelujah. We're trying your own leadings are concerned. Trying the spirits where yourself is concerned. Not just when I'm preaching or somebody else is preaching, but trying the spirits. You know, what you've heard. What you believe God's showing you. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So um, we are to take the word of God and bring everything we think we hear under the word of God. And if you have to have help, if you say, you know, I'm trying to do that. I think I've heard something. I'm trying to bring it under the Word of God. But my soul and spirit, I'm not dividing right now, may be as good as I should. So it's okay to go to somebody else that knows the Word and say, listen, help me divide this by the Word. Because it, we divide asunder by the Word of God, the, our soul and spirit. See, our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And it may say... Today's the day, right now. Do it, do it. But the Spirit may be saying, wait, wait, wait. And, and it, only the Word of God can divide in that. And as we stay in the Word, we're not going to be misled. 
So the word is the best way to try the spirits. But I'll tell you another way to try the spirits where yourself is concerned is also with other people is time. Give it some time. Give it some time. It's real. If you get in a hurry, if you're, if you're in a hurry, you know, Pastor and I learned this when we were really young in the Lord because we learned it with salesmen. Salesman will tell you, you know, that special is just for today and that's all and it's over today. But, you know, we learned that wasn't God, that that was pressure. And so anytime you feel pressured, you've got to decide today. And, oh, I, you know, on these uh, house shows, they'll say, well, now this is, a, this is a buyer's market. And, man, there's a lot of people looking at this house. And hallelujah. Well, I tell you something I've learned to do, and I do this all the time. If we think we're supposed to buy something, but we're not quite ready, and we want to give it some time, I'll say, now, Lord, I put a hold on that in the Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, until we know from you and hear from heaven, it can't sell. I feel sorry for the poor salesman sometimes. <laughs> Because it's like, you know, hallelujah. Uh, yeah, it's like, okay, I'm thinking about that house. And so it sits there for six months. No, I, you know, there's a love walk here and we don't bind people up. But, but you know, you, you, if you need a week, God will hold something for you for a week. Hallelujah. And if it doesn't hold and you've prayed that prayer, you can just assume that wasn't yours. Hallelujah. So time is a great help where trying the spirits are concerned. Not to be in a hurry. Not to get up in a huff. We had that happen at Bible college one time. Oh, a lady, she just got her underwear all in the wad. <laughs> Hallelujah. She rised up right in the middle of the meeting. Really, it made a spectacle of herself. You know, that's not even... A southern, a southern lady wouldn't even do that. Hallelujah. A southern lady would have sat quietly, maybe walked out the door and never came back. But, oh, she got all in a wad before she heard the whole class, the whole lesson, the whole six weeks of classes, and she just, whoo, 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 out the back door. You know? Well, don't get in such a hurry. God give you time to try the Spirit. Hallelujah. He'll give you time. You know, Brother Hagin used to teach us, because we were all new in this Spirit-filled walk, Man, everybody was newly filled with spirit. We didn't even know anybody to ask about anything. And he'd say, now if you don't understand something, just lay it up on the shelf. You know, and just, just lay it up there a while. And you know, one thing, something sometimes it falls off the shelf and breaks and everybody knows it broke and it wasn't no good. Hallelujah. And even the teacher that taught it knows it wasn't no good. That wasn't no good. Hallelujah. And then sometimes... It's like, well, you figure out, oh, I just didn't know enough to understand it. Hallelujah. So that's how, you know, that's how we have to be. Um, another way to try our own leadings is Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him. I'm trying to train myself to do this. To consult him before I do buy anything. Before I plan a party, before I do anything, consult him. Lord, is this, is this right? You know, and he will help us. He will help us not to plan a party on the day when there's going to be a foot of snow on the ground. And, the, and they, they didn't even know it at the news, at the weather station. Hallelujah. He'll help us to, you know, he'll help us if we will. He will help us have good success. I just hate doing stuff and it being a failure. Well, that didn't work out. That wasn't good. So we need to learn to consult him in everything. 
Hallelujah. Well, let's uh, come up. Let's, let's dim the lights. Let's come up around the altar and pray a minute. Hallelujah. You need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. So let's pray out the plans of God for our life for all of 2010. Thank you, Jesus. You come on up.